Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Man, that feels good to say again. It has been a minute. Ben Vallis here, or as I go by on Reddit, Brittle Gash. Coming up on the show, a largely unplanned, free-form NBA hang. I think for the most part, we'll get to the NBA Finals, plus all the free agency rumors that have been flying all over the place. But you know that friend that we all have in our lives that always manages to make any given conversation about themselves? We're going we're gonna to channel that friend and somehow tie all of this back to the Celtics somehow. Jackson, a.k.a. Rickman Lives, and Joe, a.k.a. Nosegroats McFly, old Joey Nosegroats, are both here. <laughs> Guys, it's been a couple of weeks. What's happening? What's going on? I've just, I've just woken up after being in hibernation for no basketball, so someone's going to have to tell me what, who's in the finals, what the score is, how's, how's Durant's free agency shaping up. I'm in the dark for all this, so please let me know. My, my, my podcasting Achilles is feeling a little dodgy. Ooh, <laughs> might have to pinch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's been a little while since we've all got together, I suppose, but there is plenty happening in the, uh, out there in the NBA world. The finals, uh, for one thing, we just had game five. Obviously, the Raptors, the Warriors. Um, I'm just going to throw it back to you guys. Like, how, how Obviously, everyone knows what's happened at this point. We're here to just talk, talk about it amongst ourselves. Like, how, how are you guys feeling, particularly everything that's happened after, after game five with the KD injury and whatnot? Um, I've, I've changed my stance. I was, I was pro Toronto at the start and I'm kind of, I kind of want Golden State to win now. I just, I kind of primarily want Golden State to win because I want a game seven on a day where I'm not working, where I can watch it. That's my number one priority at the moment, but no, yeah, exactly. But now even before this whole, like the world turned on the city of Toronto for cheering an injury, which I like, (laughs) I've been, I've been in stadiums millions of times when that's happened, but I get the, the, um, the context and the enormity of the, uh, the occasion and stuff, but no, 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 I don't know when it happened, but somewhere along the line, I just, I really decided I don't want Toronto to win and I don't know why, but I just, um, yeah, I, I think Golden State will get it in seven. I said that at the start and I still believe, um, I think the comeback's on. The heart wants what the heart wants. It does. Um, I think we can all agree we want game seven. I want maximum drama. I want big, maximum big time. I want, I want, I want memorable series and, um, I feel like this one has delivered um oh yeah for sure i think like as sad as the durant thing is i'm just gonna put on my like i'm gonna do a little heel turn here um (laughs) (laughs) as sad as it is it made that game so memorable and um you know if i could just imagine durant wasn't a real person it would it was such an amazing (laughs) storyline you know now the fact that he is a person kind of mitigates against that a little bit, but honestly, I don't, I don't know the guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> He'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, He'll be okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, try and like put that point out of your mind when I go in on Durant later on. Uh, not, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the Durant, oh, the whole Durant timeline has been so spicy this whole time because like he goes out and there's been this like crazy up and down where like the the first reaction after. One game with Durant removed was Warriors are fine. You know, we all know the narrative. They, they can win it without him. And then the, the finals start and like things are a little bit iffy there. Toronto are quite strong. Kawhi, people are making Michael Jordan comparisons. Um, mm. And, you know, the Warriors are, are fine, but they're really looking like they can use KD at this point. And then there's these rumors of him coming back around like game four game five as they go down 3-1 and like suddenly as old mate Bill Simmons would say it's in play that Kevin Durant would come back and like somehow 
turn this thing around and, and, and claw them back from, from 3-1 and actually like come back and, and win the series somehow. Like that, that was in play for a moment there and that was looking like an incredibly spicy storyline that could have come to fruition in front of our eyes. And like game five, first few minutes, what did he knock down his first three threes in a row? Yep. The spacing suddenly a lot better. They're looking like the old warriors and like I'm like licking my lips, rubbing my hands together to being like, absolutely, oh, this is happening. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like it was it was such a good start to the game um obviously he went down i think was it early in the second quarter thereabouts exactly. um, mm. and i mean let's just get to it the crowd reaction to the injury listening to a few podcasts between now and then seems like there was maybe a little bit of a difference in vibe like whilst in the arena versus watching the broadcast but like the the broadcast was not favorable at all to the Raptors and, and their fans. I guess the players were okay, right? Because they were actually like trying to calm the crowd down, but the crowd, you know. I yeah. feel I feel a tiny little bit sorry for the Raptors fans here. A tiny little bit. But um I still think like the truth is they did cheer the injury, you know? And that's yeah. pretty lame. Yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, we can all like what do they say? Like, um, like one boy is fine, but five boys, like you just have no idea how much damage five boys together can cause. And it's a little bit like that with a crowd, you know, like um, the, the sort of herd mentality can kind of get away on people. And then um, yeah. they all sort of collectively realize, oh my gosh, we've done this terrible thing here. And then they clapped and chanted for KD, you know, pretty, pretty quickly after. Yeah. I, I sort of feel like they were wrong and they sort of um tried to make it up and i hope i hope you know i i don't like this i don't like this narrative <laughs> i don't I, i'm not i don't think um the toronto fans should be like crucified for this although it wasn't no. good it wasn't good and they did cheer for his injury that sucks yeah i think if you compare it to like let's say hayward's injury um last season um everyone knew straight away that that was a that was a a bad bad injury like you could physically see the leg going the other way and the build up to to his debut for the Celtics and his career trajectory to that point versus what Kevin Durant's been through the past few years you know he was public enemy number 1 as soon as he went to the Warriors and then what two two championships two finals MVPs later you know and all these Bill Simmons podcasts and everyone you know is hating on the dude um now this happens to him he goes down in a game where it looked as if, at least before the game, he wasn't ready to come back. You know, it was like the reports, oh, he's going to be ready for game three. No, he's not. And they said that like 48 hours prior. So you knew he was not close to coming through. There were whispers about him coming back in game five. So when he did come back, it wasn't that much of a surprise. But even if I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Warriors, you know, medical staff, it just felt like he was out there because it was must win. And, you know, basically we, we, we need you and you have to go there and play. So... I'm sure the truth is somewhere between him wanting to play and him being nowhere near ready to play. And they just decided somewhere in between, given the context and the, what the games were at, what it was game five, it was must win that he needed to go out there. Having said all that, the, the reaction to the injury, I was talking about Hayward earlier. There was like, when an injury that bad happens, everyone gasps and everyone is like in shock and it's, it's horrendous to see. But I think everyone knew that Durant had an issue going in. And when he went out there and tried to play, and particularly after starting so well, then the fact that he goes down, you've got this, you've got, 20,000, you know, not just, you know, Raptors fans or any kind of fan or Canadians or whatever, just fans, you know, they want to see their team win a a championship. The player who's going to cause them probably the most grief or one of the most, you know, it's Kevin Durant, for God's sake. If he's not playing for the team that you're going against, you're going to like your chances more. So I get that the initial reaction of like, yes, we got this. But then obviously Siakam, you know, know? yeah, yeah, exactly. And you should see Lowry and Siakam, I think it was, that tried to calm the crowd down. And then when they started to realize, and I say them, it was literally, it was probably, you know, a few hundred that were actively cheering. The rest were probably just going, oh shit, there you go. And then when everyone was tapping at the end, I think, you know, everyone kind of was like, all right, he's, he is a person, you know, that does suck. We wanted to see a, a competition, blah, 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 blah. So I think it's, a, I think they, they kind of hung Toronto out to dry there. Um, probably justified, but at the same time, and I've been in crowds where they've, we've cheered, you know, people getting injured and getting punched and things like that. It just, it, yeah, yeah, five boys together, Joe, like you said. And you don't know the damage. You don't know what mentality that can that can take on. So, um, you know, I, I definitely I don't think any differently about to ra- about Raptors fans. You know, after that injury versus what I did before. Just quite. Just, There's sort yeah. of no counterfactual for us to say like, would any other fan base have done this? 
Like God, no. We don't know. No. <laughs> like, and to be honest, it's it's imaginable that everyone could have if they were that you know, um, if if they were that close to to a championship. I still, yeah, I'd like to think I wouldn't have been one of those fans though. It's hard to say though, right? Like, it's so, so easy when you're sitting on the couch on Twitter to be like, Buans, I'll never be a part of anything. Um, that inhumane or however you want to describe it. But I mean, yeah, like you kind of touched on a second ago, Jackson, you can imagine if you're in the crowd and this one man who who stands in the way of your team at a championship goes down, like maybe the immediate, like almost reptilian brain primitive response is to be like, oh yes, like he's he's down, like we got this. And then suddenly be like, oh wait, actually that's not cool. I'm I'm going to shut up now. (laughs) Quick interjection. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Go back one year. To when the Raptors were playing LeBron's Cavs and they were getting swept. Let's say LeBron goes down midway game through game two. Do you think they're going to be like, oh no, LeBron's down? I think they're like, yes, here's our chance. He's finally dying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, there's I, a I don't history know. there. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a dark. Would, yeah. And I don't think I don't think that would make such a big deal about it as well. Too, it's like here's the man who's, yeah. trauma, who's tra- traumatized Toronto for years on end. They finally goes down and they loved it. Whereas Durant, you know, there's just you know, other than him being a fantastic basketball player and Drake's mate, apparently. There's no real animosity against him and Toronto. So I think that's what they, they jumped on more than anything else. There's um, another quick interjection. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> but there's, uh, there's, a, there's a video on, uh, on RNBA showing what happened in um, Oracle when Kyrie went out in, back in the 15 finals. And they're, ch- they're uh-huh. cheering. I don't think the context yeah. isn't mm. exactly the same, you know, um, but like it does give an indication of sort of like, you know, how how society can get you know when when, when you Mob get mentality. back to our base instincts you know yeah reptilian brain yeah. as you call it and look interject all you like I have I'm not working off any notes here so this is like I said it's totally free form right. we're just hanging out right. shooting the breeze question, gotta be mindful of the delay question for the gang all. question for the gang okay so what do you think ha- okay these are the takes um I'd say. There's like a strong current of take that says Golden State should not have let Kevin Durant play. What do you make of, of those? Like notably Charles Barkley, um, but a few, quite a few other ex-players. Ken, Kendrick Perkins also among them. Mm. Again, I, I give the benefit of the doubt to the Warriors staff, you know, the, the medical staff that is. Like I don't think they would have willingly put him out there knowing that the, the Achilles or the calf or whatever it was was going to hold up and he would be a, you know, a, a, a serious injury as it looks like. Um, but maybe it wasn't their decision. Maybe it was someone higher up than that. Maybe, maybe they said, look, this is game five. This is must win. We're on the road. We need all hands on deck. And I don't care, you know, what the physical consequences are. Don't know about that. But I would like to think that, that they reached some sort of conclusion amongst Kevin Durant, the medical staff, Steve Kerr, and you name it, that they all agreed it was going to be worth, worth it, putting him out there. Yeah. Can, can we agree that there's like almost certainly a difference between like what we hear from the team as far as the discussions that went on with the medical staff and Kevin Durant and the actual discussions that went on between the medical staff and Kevin Durant and all the coaches and stuff. I like that's- I mean, I certainly have my theories about what actually transpired there and I'm interested to hear yours. So I agree. I think there's different. Yep. Well, yeah. And I mean, well, we talked about the narrative earlier and like that has to have been on everyone's mind, right? And like, obviously he, he wasn't in, in the correct physical shape to come back. You know, he, he looks like, by all accounts, he tore his Achilles, you know, about 12 minutes into his playing time. But it's the NBA Finals and, like, NBA Championships. Like, Larry Bird only ever won three NBA Championships. Like, they're few and far between. They're difficult to come about, to acquire. And when you're this close and you can come back and make a contribution and, and maybe win another one, like, who knows what's going to happen next year and the year after that, etc. You're this close, you come back and you just try and get it done. And I think that was probably the crux of the thinking with everyone involved. That And obviously, Kevin Durant would have had final say on that. Like, yeah, I do want to come back. That was probably some advice from some people in the room to say, you probably shouldn't do this, but hey, you are quite close. Like, it's, it's basically up to you, man. Like, I think that was probably more the reality of the situation where they were just like, yeah, it's pretty fucking risky, but... It is the NBA Finals, so it's kind of up to you, man. Yeah. I don't think that it's unreasonable to think that that's basically what, what I, went down. I think, I think, I, I mean, I, I kind of concur with that, Ben. Like, my sense is that if I'm imagining what's happen, happening, like, okay, you know, we're professionals here. So, like, the first rule of being a professional yes, is are. cover your ass. So there is no way 
right? There is no way that the head of medicine or whoever for for the Warriors is like, yeah, get on out there, man. You'll be fine, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. just not it's just not possible. He is gonna say he's gonna say like the bottom line is I guarantee this was Durant's decision. You know, sure. it was Durant's Absolutely. decision, and and it would have been an informed decision. I would like to think, um, you know, not knowing the the medical science behind it here kind of leaves me a little bit like they might have said something along the lines of, um, okay, if you come back, you can come back, you can give it a go, but this is what you're risking. You know, yeah, these types of injuries might lead to this thing. The, the you is know that- these possible consequences. Another thing that like I assume that the injuries are related, but I don't think that's established. Right, like I, they probably are, but you know, Kevin Durant could have tore his Achilles at any time. <laughs> you know, we're assuming mm. that it's related to the calf strain. Um, I mean, but it's probably a fair assumption, right? But like, it's mm, well, same why? part of the same. That's why we say so. Though. That's why we say. It. But like, an Achilles yeah. is a tendon, and a calf is a muscle, and they're just different things. You know? But he could have been loading into his Achilles more due to you know an atrophy of the calf, or I don't know. I'm totally, not a, oh, totally. I'm not a physician. Like a, it's most likely, like you know, I I would naturally assume it too. But I don't think you can just say, like, put it this way: there is a non-zero chance. I love that term, right? That Kevin Durant's Achilles tear could actually be completely unrelated to his calf strain. Yeah, you know, yep, totally. So you know, like I, I sort of feel like yeah, this is a um. This is a case of, man, stuff happens. And of course he was going to come back. Like, how could you not? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, it's the NBA Finals. It's, you might be, you've got to do it. It's he might elimination. Be spending the of, he, he might be spending yeah. the rest of his career with the New York Knicks. I think this might be his last chance to get a ring. Uh, but, um, and, and I don't did, think he'll regret it. I don't think he'll regret this decision. It actually makes me, like, even though I sort of feel like um, I've got a whole other rant teed up, guys, about this stuff. But... I, at the end, <laughs> yes. this is a good decision. I, th- I actually felt this was a good, noble decision by Kevin Durant. You know? That's interesting. Because mm. uh, c- Kevin Durant is so concerned about his legacy, right? And I do think there's an interesting case for revisiting Kevin Durant's decision-making legacy after his career is over. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe... I mean, this contradicts what you were saying, Joe, but... Like I feel like he no, does don't have... No, con- don't you dare contradict me, man. <laughs> How dare you? Don't, don't make him um, rant at you. <laughs> I, just, the guy has got a questionable track record of decision-making. The notable one, obviously, you know, going to Golden State Warriors. And yes, there's an argument that that is a good decision because all of his championships have been won since that decision. I'd argue it was a tremendous decision, but anyway. <laughs> but uh, I just, you know, like he, he's he's in a bad light generally speaking, for a reason. And a lot of that is due to like bad decisions as far as how the outcome of those decisions make him look to the general public. And there's the the burner account thing. And like he probably stands out as a poorer decision maker than like your typical NBA player or all-star or even superstar. I think Mm. he comes across to me, like the fact that he's surprised that he hasn't been universally loved as a result of this just just tells me he's tone deaf. (laughs) And that we know that he feels that way. Like just... Keep it to yourself. Do you make that decision? Do you think he's psychotic enough to have factored in the decision that maybe if he does rupture, have a major injury, going out there trying to give his all for the team, um, that that makes his public image a lot better than it was? Because I think it. I think he definitely. People think of him a lot higher now than oh, they yeah. did before. Oh, whether or not you're yeah. speculating, you're speculating whether it was. However, it went down. He now looks like a really noble. It looks like a really noble act and a noble decision, like you said, Joe. Um, going out there and you know, you know, potentially jeopardizing the rest of his career for the greater good, which is you know a championship with the Warriors. Um, and he's getting sympathy that he wouldn't have gotten, you know, a year and a half, two years ago when he you know jumped ship or bandwagoned it. So it, it's been a bit of a narrative reversal here around this injury. And the conspiracy part of me wonders if he was psychotic enough to think if I do injure myself, are they going to th- are they going to like me more? So uh, to me, this is what I think. You're right that there has been a narrative reversal. I don't think there should be. Okay, oh, I think I these see. are two. Not what I think. I think it's a it's a it's it's a thing that you, you you know when you think about a person that you know well, right? That you know really really well. You know their flaws, right? You know their flaws and their good bits. You, you don't like sugarcoat the bad bits. Now, in the case of Kevin Durant, right? It's sort of being forgotten now just how freaking dominant those two Warriors teams were. Like the fifteen title team and the sixteen team. 
that mm-hmm. loss to Cleveland. Like, it's kind of been glossed over a little bit. Like, I heard Simmons say, oh, you know, in 16, uh, sorry, in 15, like, um, that was maybe a year too early for the Warriors. No, it freaking wasn't, man. No. That team crushed it all year. <laughs> it's Draymond, yeah. Draymond Green kicking someone in the balls. I can't remember who it was. Oh, that was, like, that, that, who was, yeah, that's who li- was that? Literally who what, was yeah. that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just kicked the whole of New Zealand in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely win, they definitely win that title as well, and that narrative goes out the door if um if that happens. It was so un, yeah. it was so unlikely that that whole that Cleveland title was so unlikely, and that's why it's it's a great accomplishment for LeBron. You know, it's his crowning achievement. It's because it was so unlikely, and like Kevin Durant joining it was an anti-competitive decision, right? Totally, and it's like. Mm. Boring. It's like the fact that he's made a a noble and, in fact, competitive decision here doesn't mean that that first decision wasn't anti-competitive and soft. It was soft. Mm -hmm. It was the easy way to a title. And that's why he hasn't gotten his respect. This is so simple. You know, you can can walk and chew gum at the same time, right? Like, he made an anti-competitive decision at that time that will forever put, like, it's not asterisks, like they legitimately won, but it just means that we don't consider that accomplishment as being on the same level as LeBron in 16, for example. We Can I pose a question to you guys? Pose away. What was the, what's a worse decision, LeBron's or Kevin Durant's? LeBron to Miami or Kevin Durant's? The, 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 yeah, just the decision itself, how it went about. The TV show that was drawn out to go to, a, you know, basically what was the Warriors of the time or just joining, you know, the Warriors with an article talking outcome, about how it's a challenge. Outcome-wise, Durant's, because we all knew they were going to dominate. Like, we knew. Whereas LeBron, there was somewhat, there was a little bit of suspense in it, you know? Like, we didn't know how these guys mm. were going to figure it out. In terms of execution of the decision, like, I mean, I mean, the, the TV show thing was a bit of, a bit ham-fisted. True. But they're, they're, <laughs> a little they're, bit. <laughs> they're quite similar when you think about them too. Like, into the caliber of the player, the team that they went to, obviously, yeah, differences aside. Yeah, but yeah, yes. there's, there's an eerie similar that I, that I see this to it. So Durant joined uh, a team that had just come out with the, the best regular season record ever, uh, had really come really close to, to winning a title and had won the year before. And then Durant, uh, arguably a top three player in the league at the time, joined that team. LeBron went and formed a team and they, they kicked off their new era of success yeah. together. So I remember feeling a lot of contempt towards LeBron James at the time, mostly because of the way he conducted himself. But the situation that they each transitioned into, they, they were arguably quite different from one another. They're, they're similar. They're very, well, I'd say this. They, I felt like that was... The, 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 the overall idea that LeBron teaming up with everyone is anti, a little anti-competitive. He had too many good guys, right? Like... You know, I didn't like that, but as it was different, as in, you know, in degree from what Kevin Durant did, like he joined a seventy-three sure. win yeah. team whose core was essentially unchanged. You know, like whereas LeBron was, it was kind of a little more greenfields. Like we didn't know; it wasn't like he was, you know, he was forming a team that should have been really good, but it's not the same as like yeah. joining a team. The, the chance, the chances like, of like it going say, wrong, yeah. yeah, the chances of it going wrong with Durant and Golden State were far, far less than nil. it all going. Then it, yeah, they all got. Then it all going to yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah, with um the first because that first year arguably did go to shit with the Heat, and um then they obviously fixed it up after that. But um yeah, no, I just it just struck me then that they're both very similar sort of timelines that they're that they're on. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's my rant on Durant. Oh. Durant. Rant on Durant. 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 We've got the episode titled Durant Rant. Durant, I like it. Durant Durant. Uh, can we talk about? I don't know why I'm bringing this up before Kawhi, but can we talk about Boogie Cousins boogieing on down, sure. uh, setting a moving screen, and other various Boogie things? Um, I've, I've heard a few takes about Boogie. I feel like it was terrible. Like he had a few good offensive stretches. Like he came in after the Durant injury, and I think he scored like seven straight or something. Um, but uh, Kyle Lowry, for one, was just driving by him at will. Like they were getting uh, Boogie Cousins switched on to to Kyle Lowry, and Lowry was just blowing by him and getting to the bucket. Everyone seemed like they could get theirs against Boogie. It was just a complete defensive zero. And we talk about uh, questionable t- decision making. Boogie was like right up there in the ranks of like worst decision makers mm. in this game. Like, I just <laughs> I don't know. I don't he really have many good things to say about no, Boogie. I mean, it wasn't either. game. From all, series. from all the podcasts I listened to, he wasn't even meant to play at all until Durant goes down and then Looney goes down. So he kind of was in there like out of <laughs> yeah. necessity with like, yeah, that's what like I'm reading and hearing. So I don't know if that was 
um, definitely going to be the case. But um, yeah, no, look, I mean, it, I don't think he's been terrible. Um, if they end up winning the title, you're going to have to say that Dur- like Cousins has played a, a a piece in it, and then people can you know, yeah, yeah, and people can like you know, then all the kinds of revisionist history can come around, you know, regarding his you know, um, his move to the Golden State was it was it Achilles that uh, Cousins had as well before he, that he came back from? Yep. Yeah, it was Achilles. Yep. Yeah, another another interesting uh, parallel here. Um, but yeah, no, nah, you know, by far like nowhere near Golden State's best player by like some long shot. But um, you know, it was, it was it was a great it was a great um it was a great goaltend against his own team. Like, <laughs> one of the best ones I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boogie's. He's like lettuce in a sandwich, right? Like a sort of a needless addition to make you feel good about your sandwich. Oh, I've got some greenery in there. You know, I'm making a healthy decision here. But really, the sandwich would be basically the same without the lettuce. So Marcus Cousins is the lettuce of the NBA. Here's how I feel. Here's how I feel about. Here's how I feel about Boogie on the Warriors. So I love those original Warriors teams. Love them. You know. Mm. And and I like I want to see Clay and Steph and Draymond like I want to see them play like champions. And I sort of feel like if Boogie's terrible, that only helps. <laughs> you know, like they have to play if he's about not true. playing. <laughs> true, like, yeah. I'm fine with that. You know, if he just makes if he makes Steph and Clay like you know if he just gives them something to overcome. Like I loved that game. I thought that honestly, I thought game I thought game five was perfect. You know, like, narratively speaking, it was almost, you know, I, I can't fault it. It was amazing, you know. Um, it had everything. It, it mm. had absolutely everything. With Cousins, I thought he got a little hard done by on that tip dunk, by the way. Like, I thought, you know, I know <laughs> according to the letter of the law that was, uh, you know, interference, but um, that was yeah. rough. <laughs> it looked good. It, looked it did. Good. It definitely looked good. I felt the ref shouldn't have called it. I don't think they could have. I don't think they should call the moving screen either. To be perfectly honest, but hey, yeah, but it yeah. was a moving screen. He debatable. It was shoulder charge. <laughs> we gave him the Sunny but Williams, mate. <laughs> <Just> went... <laughs> um, let's let's talk about Kawhi's Michael Jordan moment. Uh, like I said, I don't have notes. I haven't checked any. But just from listening to podcasts today, twelve straight points, I think, in the fourth quarter. And they went on this run. All all Kawhi, obviously, with those twelve straight points, is hitting. Like crazy step back threes, and after being relatively quiet for most of the game, he just asserted the shit out of himself, and he just didn't look like he was capable of missing. He was just doing everything, and then I feel like collectively, us as fans, like all inhabited this moment in time where we were like, "Shit!" Like the Raptors, the Toronto Raptors are about That's to win an NBA championship. Mm-hmm. Like, were you guys there with me on that one? Yeah, I, I shit, yeah, they're up it, six. It was, <laughs> It was a strange moment. You you don't get reversals. You don't get the momentum like reversing twice in a quarter normally, you know, like that. Yeah. You know, Mm. like Warriors, then the Raptors. The Warriors are pulling away, then the Raptors jumped ahead, and then then the Warriors clawing it back. It's very unusual. Mm. Well, yeah, and the the crowd had been a little bit iffy after the KD thing, and we were kind of missing out on that, like, typical, awesome, Jurassic Park-style Toronto fan atmosphere. And then in this moment, like no one could help but lose their shit. Like it was, it was amazing. Like Kawhi Leonard just went absolutely nuts, and it was like this is the moment. He's in the finals. Like he's doing some some Jordan shit, basically. That that's been the comparison. Um, and then we get to a point where I think the Warriors are down ninety seven to one hundred three, and then they just go on this crazy run. There's a I think a really questionable Nick Nurse timeout at some point which i think kevin o'connor today said he called to give his guys rest despite the crazy momentum that they had um and then the warriors execution from that point onwards was like 110 percent absolutely perfect to come back and win that game it was nuts the ball movement was insane that that steph curry three where he took a huge like wide curl off i think it was a double screen and it hit a, a fairly contested three and then I think the next play was uh, a Clay Thompson three, where, where the ball this. movement was absolutely insane. Yeah. Like yeah. to get that that open shot, it was crazy, and that sort of touch pass from Draymond and the fake from fake. from Clay, like it was absolutely nuts. And then all of a sudden, like they're back in it. It's crazy. Yeah, it was end of rant. <laughs> it, it was awesome. I, I sort of, I sort of feel like this. Nick Nurse timeout thing is a little overstated as well. Look, yeah, me too. If if the Raptors come out of that timeout and they score, 
you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a make or it's a miss, right? They're up by eight with a bit under three left, which according to my formula puts them that's in the category of safe lead. You know, like it, mm. I don't think it was unreasonable to call a timeout to try and get a bucket there. And, you know, they lost because the Warriors made great plays and, you know, like I don't, I think that stuff could have happened irrespective of the timeout or not, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it feels like, yeah, it, it, anything in basketball and sport in general, just if, if it's like, oh, they called a timeout and they're going to lose, oh, they shouldn't have called that timeout. If they don't call a timeout, they're going to lose, oh, well, they, why didn't they call a timeout? Yeah, I feel yeah. like it just gets, it'll get spun regardless. And I think um, I think Nick Nurse being there for the, like, in the finals for the first time, the Raptors being there for the first time, you know, it kind of, you can you can push that sort of, the Raptors choked that game away a little bit, but I'm not buying it. That was just, that was just amazing amazing heart amazing determination yeah. from one of the best basketball teams i've ever seen and that's and the, for toronto I shouldn't feel bad about it. i'm sure they're gonna think shit we missed a great opportunity there um to put it away but I, I don't think toronto played you know badly at all you know certainly not fucking Kawhi leonard Kawhi leonard could be <laughs> is one game away from being if, if, if we all think what's going to happen does happen, or the greatest rental in <laughs> NBA history. Wouldn't you say? Like, he's, he's almost about to get ring number two, finals MVP number two if they win, because let's say it would definitely be him. And then he could fuck off to the Clippers. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that would just be insane if he ends up going to that. What? But he's like, his, his value has gone way, way up. Because there's a bit of a doubt last year, like coming from the Spurs and the injury and Dennis and the fucking weird... Uh, goodbye letter that was in like you know sky blue font. Um, but yeah, no, he, he no doubt now he is he's elite, elite, elite. He's player. he's a he's a. I like that. I've started coming up with little categories <laughs> for players, and and the top tier is reality bending players, and and Kawhi Leonard is a <laughs> reality bending. Player. <laughs> I, I look forward to that podcast, the Joe category list <laughs> podcast. That's that's gonna be fun. Well, I, I think the Kawhi things obviously. That's something that we can actually bring back to the Celtics because I think we've got to do the revisionist history thing here because we're mm-hmm. sort of kind of now fully seeing what, you know, what we did not trade for. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So with that in mind, guys, like how have you sort of felt about the non-trade for Kawhi in retrospect? Um, I haven't thought about it that much, to be perfectly honest. Like, I... I'd... You got. You, I think back to like the team that we would have had. Like, what what would we have to have given up to to get him there? Like, I think the rumor came out it was going to be Jalen Brown, someone else to the Spurs for uh, Kawhi. And does that mean we get Danny Green as well? Or does that mean we, we ship someone else out? I, I don't know. Um, it, it's it's tough to look at it in you know in retrospect. But obviously, if we could have added a player like Kawhi Leonard to this team before the season, knowing what we know now, then God, yeah, of course he would have done it. It, it. For me, it makes me think about the Davis trade more because even though Kawhi Leonard is of a different pedigree to Anthony Davis, he's far more proven. Um, I just feel, I, I feel as if we could be, you know, there's so many things to dissect with the, the Davis trade. I don't want to get side, like, <laughs> sidetracked, but I just feel like you got to go out and you got to get a guy of that caliber regardless. And I think that kind of confirmed it. Uh, well, sorry, if Kawhi's season so far is confirming it, that if someone, if that top tier, if that reality bender is out there, you know, you go hell for leather, even if there's a chance it is going to be a one-year rental. So I'm thinking more about the Davis trade than, you know, Kawhi in retrospect, hmm. if I'm honest. No, yeah. I, I think, I th- you know, sorry, sorry, Ben. But I, just before no. you go, Ben, I do think it's fair to consider those two decisions as, like, alternatives, you know. you got to compare one against the other. Sorry, Ben. Totally. No, I mean, I... I don't have much to add to that other than I remember thinking Jalen Brown, like, oh, the potential, the all-star potential. Like, why would we give up, you know, uh, what is definitely going to be an all-star Kawhi-like player in Jalen Brown um, when we already have one? I remember thinking those thoughts, um, which probably tarnishes uh, any subsequent thoughts I will now give you. (laughs) Um, But I also remember thinking... um, I can't remember if this was part of the discussion at the time, but there were rumors about Gordon Hayward, obviously pre-injury, like 2017 Jazz, Gordon Hayward, and would we rather trade for a, a sort of a probably injured Kawhi Leonard on a rental or would we rather sign Gordon Hayward to a long-term contract? And I think I remember maybe uh, leaning towards the long-term contract, healthy Gordon Hayward option. And that combined with keeping Jalen Brown seemed like a good decision at the time, probably seemed the same way to Danny Ainge as well. Um, but obviously things didn't work out that way on so many fronts. And now, obviously I wish we had made 
made the trade necessary to get Kawhi Leonard, but um, you know, so what are you going to do? <laughs> so, okay, here's here's my theory that that I want to put out, or my sort of principle, like in the NBA. It's not like, you know, if I walk into a shop and I've got a $10 note, right, and I want to buy like a, or I walk into McDonald's or KFC and I want to get a $5, you know, snack box lunch, right? I hand over my 10 bucks and I get my $5 back, right? And the NBA, you don't get change when you make trades, right? And that's mm-hmm. the problem. So, you know, if we think of Kawhi as like a $5, like a $5 bill, all right? Okay. Um, <laughs> yep. a Surid and, and, and over here in New Zealand, okay. Uh-huh. And we go back in time, okay, and we imagine and we think about like the, the the sort of notes and and coins that the Celtics had at the time, All right, So Tatum at the like, if you go back to last year, Tatum like honestly straight up has equivalent trade value to Kawhi. He's not as good a player, but trade value, right? That's a different thing. Kawhi was injured. Tatum mm-hmm. was young, totally. under control. Like, it, I don't think that's even questionable. I think that Jalen would have been like maybe like a $4 note, right? Okay. So, okay. So, Jalen's like a $4 note. So, if we're going to trade Jalen plus anything else, right? So, the trouble with the Celtics is we, you might remember last season, we had no negative value contracts. Even Hayward wasn't considered negative value at, at that time, right? At the, mm-hmm. time. At the time. time. So that means that we're going to have to give up something like a Marcus Smart. Now, a Marcus Smart at the time might be like a $2.50. You know, like in, in our hearts, he's a $4. But, maybe, you know, whatever. But you get the idea. And and we we didn't have the right denomination of pieces to make that trade work. Toronto did. You know, like Toronto was just really fortunate that they had the right, they had exact change for the yeah. Spurs. Yep. And we it. didn't. You know, so like, even though I think we probably underrated Kawhi, like we thought he was a five at the time, and maybe he was actually really a, a seven dollar piece. You know, yeah. um, that still doesn't change the fact that that was the assessment at the time. Like, if we jump in our time machines, I don't think the the non decision to trade for Kawhi was bad, even though even though if we had have done it, we 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 probably would have had a, a better run this year. You know. Um, yeah. There are really good reasons for not doing it. Now, the AD trade, like an AD trade, I think is a little more debatable. Um, yeah. Um, I, I keep going over the counterfactual in my head. Like, what if we'd... Let's just say that New Orleans would have taken Kyrie plus Tatum at the deadline. I keep going over in my head. Would that have been worth it for us? Like, we'll have to assume... I know that's probably considered a low price, but... You know, New Orleans is hanging out for someone of Tatum's caliber, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, let's just say they would have done that. You know, let's just imagine they would have done that. Should we have done that at the time? No. Nah. Well, we, we, we still hadn't seen playoff Kyrie yet. <laughs> like, that's who I thought was taking us to the promised land. So, no, I didn't. I, I certainly, at the time, even now, I don't think it was worth going after because we probably we we we, we, we like, again it's like the, the the thought from then versus now is so drastically different um I, I find it even hard to go back at that stage if you said if it was like done deal right now um Kyrie Tatum or Davis I would have said no and now in retrospect um I, I can't tell you definitively whether it would change my mind or not right so you don't go back in time now if you can and, and make that deal knowing what we know now probably about well, Kyrie I still think Kyrie might resign and I've got mixed feelings about it, but I still think he might because I think this KD injury now is going to set forward a ripple and a bunch of domino and a domino effect similar to that of the Chris Paul trade that never happened um, that can just, that will drastically change the NBA. So if Durant going down means there's no more teaming up in New York or wherever and he decides to stay and that leads to a Davis trade, then that's one timeline. The other timeline is... Uh, I don't even know where to begin <laughs> to think. No, you want to add, like definitive answer? No, I still wouldn't do the trade. And it so, might look silly in three months' time, but I still wouldn't do it. So, so to me, the reasons why you do the trade, Jackson, are this. Okay. Okay, so Davis is healthy for a start, okay? So you're getting, you know, if you've got him signed for two years, you get two playoff runs out of the guy, right? Like minimum, you know? There wasn't an issue of him being able to not do it. Now... Okay, so the analysis that's been going on is, oh, New Orleans has to trade Anthony Davis because they can't let him walk for nothing. Now, if we were to jump in our time machines and 
don't go to October. Like we wouldn't have made that trade in October. Go to no. February when Kyrie's saying, ask me July 31st. And things are clearly starting to teeter there, right? You know? At that point, why does the same analysis not apply to the Celtics? You've got to get mm-hmm. something for Kyrie. Why, why, does, why does it not apply? Because Ky- Kyrie hadn't come out and definitively, so his agent hadn't come out and definitively said that he's walking and there's nothing, like, I'm not going to listen to a contract offer. Kyrie's still very much like sure. nothing. So yeah, that, that more- was on the table versus Kyrie's wasn't so clear. So that's, that's but- my factor. Yeah, there's more variables in the Kyrie situation. One of them being his bizarre personality. Like, who knows where his mind's going to be at even tomorrow, let alone in the offseason. And mm. can you make a drastic trade? Because, like, the ultimate pairing, the ultimate, like, chicken wings and blue cheese sauce is Kyrie Irving and and Anthony Davis, right? So you kind of try and hold out for that a little bit, at least at the time. So, so look, I don't think that's... A- like that's totally a defensible line of thing. I mean, of course it's defensible, right? But what I'm, <laughs> what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at here, what I'm trying to get at here, it, it was it was a very real possibility before the trade deadline last year that Kyrie could walk, right? A very sure. real possibility, and, and and in a way that surprised me. Like I thought for sure, I was like, I remember the time being like, what's this about? You know. Mm-hmm. But looking back, right, if you were involved in the Celtics, you had to have been nervous about Kyrie coming back. Uh, so, yeah, so there was, so, so, I'm now. Yeah, so that's all, everything's all different now. But if we had have had the, you know, at that time, you could have imagined, hey, there's a risk we lose Kyrie for nothing here. What do we do about it? And the, honestly, the best, like, let's just, I mean, this is a big assumption that they would have said, okay, Tatum plus Kyrie is enough for Davis, right? Because mm-hmm. Kyrie is obviously not going to stay in your lane. So that means that he's got, close to nil trade value to them. So it's just, essentially, it's a Tatum for Davis swap. Now, what I would say is that this playoffs has demonstrated something, and it's that your window isn't necessarily that big, right? And also, that reality-bending players are worth getting, you know? They might be worth, and two playoff runs of Anthony Davis, right? I think is arguably worth Kyrie, you know, factoring in the risk of him leaving plus Tatum. Mm-hmm. I think that's arguable, you know? Yep. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's less than what we would pay in this upcoming exactly, offseason, right? right? Because yeah, yeah. we're going to be screwed exactly. to try and trade from now, you know? We would be better. We would be, If Kyrie was going to leave, we would be better making that trade or whatever other else we had to put in as opposed to what we'd have to now and have Kyrie leave, you know? Mm. Yeah. So this segues into some Reddit recap stuff we've got coming up. So folks, we're going to take a very quick break and we're going to be back in a moment for the Reddit recap. All right, folks, welcome back. This is the Reddit recap. We're going to start with a post by user DSX460 and it's a quote from... Uh, none other than Kendrick Perkins, uh, who said, not a fan of Kyrie at all. He really disappointed me the way that he represented the Celtics this season. So I'd rather not even speak of him. We're going to speak of him. We've spoken of him a little bit already. Um, uh, let's just keep it broad here, guys. Like, wh- What do you think is going to happen with Kyrie? There's been a lot of talk about uh, the Brooklyn Nets, um, him potentially favoring them. I was, I was scrolling through not only... Uh, Celtics Reddit, but NBA Reddit and Brooklyn Nets Reddit, just like looking for some level of consistency around all of these reports. And like, they seem to change. Well, okay. So admittedly, the majority of them are leaning in the direction of of the Brooklyn Nets, but there's so much information out there from so many sources that are saying so many different things. And it kind of muddies the waters a little bit. So with all that said, like, what do you, what do you think is actually going to happen? If I pick the Celtics, how about about this? How about this, guys? Celtics or the field? You know, Celtics or stay the Celtics or leave with the Celtics? Is this just purely? Is this purely just Kyrie? I still don't know. Yeah, so Kyrie, purely Kyrie. But yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. I guess that's why I'm asking you guys. (laughs) I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give the Celtics by the slightest margin. The slightest margin. I just think if he has any any kind of self awareness of his own brand and his own image. Which he probably yeah he probably doesn't so maybe he's starting to think about it now before it's too late. If after the whole like oh, I want to be the reason no one else wears number eleven in Boston and saying I will sign with you guys 
and then the complete about face and his complete fucking like just absence of perform or or performance that we expected from him in the playoffs. Absence if of perform. If he, it's Janos. We've found yeah. him. We've found him, folks. This <laughs> <laughs> is Janos. Daniel Tice. Um, yeah, what was that? Yeah. Um, Exposed. He's just going to look like an even bigger tool than he already does if he walks away. Because there's no way to spin it that he's like, he, he's, he's, he'll be running away from a challenge. He'll be running away from a group of players that, you know, didn't probably mocked him for trying to quote Shakespeare and getting it wrong or, so, or some other like pseudo intellectual shit that he tries to pull. I think that if he's got assurances from Danny Ainge that if he re-signs, we're going hell for leather for Anthony Davis and the team will be you and Davis and whoever's left and a bunch of veterans. I think he'd probably enjoy that. And he can not to mention the fact that he can get more money out of the Celtics than he can from anyone else. Um, but he might just be so devoid of yeah self-awareness and, and he thinks he's so zen and doesn't list anything that he'll just go end up doing whatever he feels like at the time of deciding it. I think he's probably told Boston he's coming back. He's probably told the, net, the, the Nets He's, he, he's, he's very, very close to coming there. He's just got to think about a few more things. He's probably told the net Knicks. He's probably lied to a bunch of people rather than just being honest or being, you know, just like not saying anything. I think it's more like Kyrie to say something and go back on it rather than just be quiet. At least that's what he was all of this season here. So look, I would still give the Celtics the slightest edge, but um, yeah, who knows? So, <laughs> who knows? so there's the question of what do we think Kyrie should do and what, what do we think he will do? The, the question was, what do we think he will do? I think, um, like, the guys who, like, you, you might not like Stephen A. Smith, but he tends to get a lot of these player movement things kind of right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you might not, like, like Jalen Rose, I like, you know? Um, and I sort of tend to, I tend to think, like, he's generally pretty onto it with, like, the, the, the mm. people side yeah. of the NBA. He called, Ka- he called Kawhi a long time he out, didn't he? called way ahead, and he, yeah. said Kawhi, he said Kyrie's leaving. Stephen A. Smith says he's leaving. The Nets made a move that you just don't make unless you... It's a very aggressive cat-clearing move that you would mm-hmm. do not yeah. make unless yep. you have a very strong indication that a, a player's coming. Um, I think uh-huh. I think the breadcrumbs are sort of lining up to say that Kyrie's going to leave and it's probably going to be the Nets if I had to pick a team. That said, it's nuts. He should stay in Boston. Like, if, if I was him... I can get the most money here. There's still the most talent here. Like it's still by well, far mm-hmm. a better roster. So especially now with the KD situation, and I, I mean to be honest, I haven't looked at the figures, but with teams like the Nets freeing up as much cap space as possible to potentially sign multiple superstar free agents, suddenly Kevin Durant is not an able-bodied superstar free agent, and then. You leave Kyrie in the situation hypothetically where he now has to choose between him going by himself or with someone like Tobias Harris or something like that to the Nets or staying with the roster as constructed and potentially Anthony Davis in the Celtics. Okay, sorry, Ben. So let's just think about about it. Kyrie, okay, we've determined, and I think Kyrie kind of realizes now he's not one of them dudes. He's not tier A. He's not a reality bender. He's the next sure. reality bends Kyrie <laughs> the other way around. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> we can unpack that if you like. Yeah, no, play, play, anyway, no, we can. <laughs> anyway, so okay, so what are Kyrie's options? Okay, if he wants to play with one of these other guys, okay, if it's going to be Anthony Davis, okay, it's going to be in Boston. That's that. That's the only alternative, right? As far as that, I can tell, that's the best option. Okay, if yeah. he wants the other reality bending guys, well, Durant's kind of off the shelf now, right? And so the third reality bending option is LeBron in LA, mm-hmm. right? <sighs> you know, so th- those are his options. And which of those options is the best? You know, like, well, it's still Boston. Like, it really mm. is. You know, I wouldn't. Durant's not. Durant's going to be on the shelf for a year. I wouldn't totally rule the Clippers out. Or Kawhi, I because that said, would just. Or Kawhi, is he going to go play Kawhi, with Kawhi? Yeah, Kawhi sorry, I was going to. Yeah, it would be like because they they got two max spots, I think, and it would just be it would just be so typical of like all of these team players yeah. that get linked to certain teams, and then a left field option comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh, of course the Clippers. It's L.A. They've got money. They've got Jerry West. They've got a younger like that could easily happen, I think, too. But um, yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay, that's another yeah. thing that Corey I could argue he should do. You know, like I, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's you know not dumb. Go play with Kawhi, Kawhi at the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good move um, for him, not for us. User RLS012 posted a tweet by Mike Cherry 
stating Kyrie Irving jerseys are the only Celtics gear on sale for 50% off at Models in Manchester, New Hampshire. That's a pretty clear <laughs> indicator. Retailers, this particular <laughs> retailer, is not confident in his return. Uh, guys, maybe they got the inside scoop there. Um, I mean, what I will say on, on all of that is, because this is just obviously an extension of the, of the Kendrick Perkins comment, um, I am pretty much only cool with Kyrie coming back if he is going to be that that second fiddle behind an Anthony Davis. I don't. I'm not up for another Kyrie led season. You know, like I'd mm. rather be a like on paper worse team. Yeah. And and say goodbye to to Kyrie Irving running the show. That's, well, that's kind of where if, I'm at. If if he does come back, you got to feel like the guys who have issues with him are out the door. Like they'll be, they'll be in the trade for Davis. Like I think if they're going to get Kyrie back, it's got to be Kyrie's team. And when I say Kyrie's team, obviously Kyrie and Anthony Davis or, you know, whatever, but it feels like he, he's the personality. He's the dressing room figure. That's got the most power in terms of like, just how people see him and how people uh, like play around him. Um, which is like, that doesn't rub off on like how he's played basketball this season by the past, like, you know, month. And he's been he's one of the best seasons he's ever had of his career by far. But I think like, if you got like, just speculating here, if a Jalen Brown is full, is, is sick of Kyrie's shit. If Marcus Smart is sick of Kyrie's shit, et cetera, et cetera, then they're going to go the fan base. Yeah. And the well, you can't get rid of the fan base, um, <laughs> but, nor would you want to. But I think if we do get him back, it's his team with Davis, new, new page, new chapter. And hopefully less bullshit. Hopefully. Yep. Yeah. User Chris underscore God posted a tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski. Macy, one, two, or all three of Boston's first round picks moved in trades. They're not looking to get younger. May have to pivot away from an Anthony Davis trade due to uncertainty with the Kyrie Irving situation. Yeah. Have we talked enough about Curry yet? Well, I mean, because what's what the, <laughs> the, the the alternative is Conley, right? Like, that's what we're really talking about. Like, D'Angelo Russell, Russell possible if he goes to the Nets? I, I couldn't see them playing together, could you? I don't think we have free agent space. It has to be a trade, right? Oh, yeah, we don't. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah it had to be a sign yeah. and trade, and uh, it seems really. Like it would have to get cooperation no a lot of people. Yeah, they wouldn't want to do that. Kind of one. Yeah, but Mike Mike Conley is a little bit more simple. Like, say, um, Kyrie having walks, it doesn't leave us with a lot of cap space, particularly if Al opts yeah, back it's in. A Hayward for but Conley we can trade. essentially a Hayward and a pick for Conley. Yeah, um, which is that was essentially so. User comic book guy one hundred and one posted like a thing on on Celtics Reddit. Celtics interested in Mike Conley if Kyrie's gone and Danger Cart. Um, had an interesting reply, not specifically to that Reddit post, but he wrote, I know Woj just said that Boston is in on Mike Conley, but someone needs to show me how that trade would work financially without being super complicated, having the C's giving up way too much or including Hayward, which seems unlikely before Danger Cart buys it. Um, but then again, it is kind of just as simple, right? As including Gordon Hayward that, that matches up the salaries and then maybe a pick to sweeten the deal for from Memphis there. Um, what, do you, what do you guys think? It's so hard because it just, you know, we will feel totally different about that trade once we know what Gordon Hayward is at the end of the year, right? You know? Yeah. Um, I, and if, I, I, I am, I'm so in on years three and four, Gordon <laughs> Hayward. I'm, I'm like, why not, right? Like, at this point, like, we've all bought the ticket. Like, I'm taking the ride. Yeah. Like, I can't wait for whatever Gordon Hayward is, despite anything that happens in the offseason. I guess... We'll probably wake up tomorrow and he's being traded, but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm prepared for. I'm completely prepared for this. In, in a way, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm okay. If I'm putting my analytical hat on, I think it's probably the right move. Um, only because I think it's more likely than not that Hayward is not gonna come back fully. Um, and if it essentially winds up that Hayward was a negative value contract and we're able to trade a negative value contract and a pick for Mike Conley, that's a pretty good deal. Mm -hmm. um, that said, I don't want Hayward to be a negative value contract. I actually want to cheer for him next year. Like, yeah. that's instinctively what I actually want to do. I just want, to, I just want Kyrie Walk, that's fine. We'll just bring the same crew back and give it a go. That's what I want to do, you know. Yeah, I want that fun underdog team... That it's a very divisive topic on, on Celtics Reddit and, and Twitter and wherever else because like it does kind of 
banish us to the like the six to eight seed realm a little bit. I don't know, man. That's kind I, of more fun. I, I just want like, to believe we can win a championship, even if we we never do with a team that's fun to watch. I just want to have a belief, like oh shit, you never know, we might we might get there. So as long as like I have that in me somewhere, I'll, I'll I don't care what the team looks like. I feel like it's a Pacers level team the last year, like maybe a little maybe a little better, you know, like like yeah, Horford, who's that Oladipo? Horford, good Hayward, good Tatum, good Jalen, Smart getting a chance to play point for the first time ever. Like, yeah, the, the that's... team. It's not like the team's still pretty, like relatively stacked, you know, compared to most other squads, you know. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world. Yeah, I don't think it would be that bad, but it would be very much outside looking in on a championship. Like, um, yeah, I wouldn't be considering us like a true contender. But then again, everyone will be worse next year. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like everyone will be worse. Toronto's, you know. They're going to have an older Lowry at the very least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's probably not going to be as good this time next year as he is now. Um, Philly Can might... you say the same for the Bucks though? Yeah, Bucks actually the Bucks should be better. They should be better. Golden yeah. State should be worse. Houston should be worse. Um, well, yeah. Six, Durant will, sixes, who knows? Durant will yeah, come back for the finals after opting, opting back into his contract. So they'll probably yeah, yeah. win the title again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, just finally for the Reddit recap stuff, another user, Kix Elix, wrote, uh, public service announcement, the Lakers also can't officially trade for AD until after July 1 and includes reasons for why that is in that post if you want to check it out. Um, but that's an important detail because with that, we know that the Lakers can't rush in and make a trade happen for, for Anthony Davis before we can, essentially, yeah. um, which is great news. It gives us a little bit of time to um, figure out what's going on with, with Kyrie Irving and see if we can pair him with that, you know, quote, world-bending player. So we don't have to panic in that sense that the Lakers are going to jump in and yeah. uh, and steal the show there. Real- the Lakers, I just can't, could make me look silly later on, but the Lakers are like the least of my concerns at the moment. Like the least of my concerns, hey? <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, it's, it's Tatum. Like, it's, yeah. just, it's tough to, to have this conversation convincingly because we're all Celtics fans, but Tatum is the, the best player available, hypothetically, in any of these trade packages, right? Like, I'm not wrong in thinking that. No. Yeah, it, I, it, I agree. If you think about him going there to be the man, to be the guy, it's Tatum. Yeah, by far. So if you're the Pelicans, you just wait and, and try and work out the best deal that includes Tatum and try and fleece Ainge for as much as you can and Ainge is probably wearing rose-colored glasses for AD, particularly if he thinks that that Kyrie is going to re-sign. That's probably your best bet. And worst case, if you're if you're the Pels, like you, then you just revert back to whatever you know option two or three is as far as that AD trade. So wait it out. Trade with Danny. Re-sign Kyrie Irving. Banner eighteen. You can tell it's been a <laughs> profit. I'm kind of I'm kind of suffering uh, Celtics withdrawals here a little bit. Like it's fun watching uh, the Raptors maybe um, battle it out for their first title, but. Um, Man, yeah. it's a long way to go Enough. until we see the guys uh, suit up in green again. Cool. I can't wait for draft night. <laughs> That's yeah. what I want more than anything else. Draft noon, as it is over here. Drawning? Draw, Can we call it drawning? I don't know. Guys, did you see that Team USA announced their official roster for the team they're bringing out to Australia later this year in August? No, I didn't. Who's in it? Who's, in, uh, who's, who's not in it? Sorry. So, okay. So, who's in it? Harrison Barnes. Woo! Uh, Andre, uh, Andre Drummond. Yeah. <laughs> Tobias Harris. Awesome. Uh-huh. Eric Gordon. Right. Brooke Lopez. Kevin Love. Paul Millsap. I'm not really uh, <laughs> I'm not killing so you with the names, am I? That. It's not the okay, same okay. team. At, th- at this, at this let- point, I would, I would applaud for Russell Westbrook. Are you going to so give me that at least? Now, let me... And I've paid a lot of money to go to these games. And those are the first few names that I read when the roster came out and I was I was a little upset. Let me read you some more names now. Anthony Davis. Uh, mm-hmm. James Harden. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum. Boy. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell. Miles Turner. Uh Campbell Walker. So it kinda you know, it's not like the kind of players that you there. would really hope to see. Yeah. LeBron James, filming Space Jam two, Kevin Durant, uh otherwise disposed of uh Steph Curry tired from multiple finals runs, you know, so James Harden really is, you know, obviously Giannis not being eligible for the Team USA squad. Uh, James Harden is kind of the, the marquee name that you want to see there. So he is in the team, but 
Yeah, there are some. It's such a Popovich squad. Like he's kind of he's put like almost almost like role players in the team it, it, to like build around mm. his his sort of system. It smells a lot like that Indianapolis two thousand two team. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess it, I guess you could say it's a Popovich team in that respect. I mean, definitely. Um, you know, uh, Durant, uh, not Durant, uh, Harden and uh, Davis are definitely going to be worth the price of admission. I mean, knowing that Tatum's going to be there now, I am going to be overseas, so it was never on my uh, agenda to go to it. But man, I would have loved to have um gone and see him play. I think um, I think I think that'll be that's a that's a that's a fun team. Like even like we we kind of like sit here and like sort like like scrunch, like scrunching our faces up at like. Andre Drummond and Miles Turner, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but man, spoiled. <laughs> still far better than any NBL level basketball you're going to get here. So um, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be fun. I hope you enjoy yourself, Ben. I'm going to inhabit the same postcode as Jason Tatum for like 48 hours. This might be the, the best 48 hours <laughs> of my New life. New Orleans Pelicans best player, Jason Tatum, by, <laughs> yeah, by yeah, August. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Superstar Jason Tatum. Uh, Chris Middleton's in the team as well. So I look forward uh-huh. to him just throwing up um, half-court swishes for a full game because that's that's been my experience well, of, of Chris Middleton saying, today. Australia, Australia only plays in green sometimes. So no, I don't, I don't think he will be swishing it from half-court all the time. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell the boomers to wear, to wear yellow. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever you, whatever you do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Damian Lillard on the team as well. Like, it's Ooh, actually, it's actually right. pretty spicy. Kyle Lowry, it's uh, it's going to be good. And um, they're playing in Sydney as well now. They're playing uh, Team Canada in Sydney just after those those Melbourne games. So it's going to be a fun little run. Um, I'm excited for that. And it just really, as far as the off-season, getting back to the NBA is concerned, it's so good to have this filler. It's the World Cup. Obviously, it doesn't have the same gravity the same pool as the the world cup of football but it's it's professional basketball and it fills that like very dreary terrible gap in the offseason there for everyone yeah. so and as, as good yeah. as as good as usa is like because they're so far ahead of everyone else and they think they know it as well like you can you know what was it was it athens was it 2004 the olympics they yeah. lost to yeah. was it greece or spain spain um yeah they, they they could they could phone it in and get done I think it was argentina argentina was it yeah, I feel Stoller like it was Manu and, and yeah, those Stoller guys. And yeah. And that. yeah, yeah, true, it was. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, like they, they, they could get done. And anytime the US gets done in a competitive game, like of any sport, let alone basketball, that'd be that's worth watching anyway. So if it's if it's within thirty points by three quarter time, you know, you can it's probably worth watching because it might be on the cards. But either than that, either, either way, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch some some non NBA basketball at a high level. Yeah. All right. So, look, we've talked about the finals. We've talked about the Celtics a little bit. We've talked about upcoming international basketball. Jackson, uh, we should we should tell the the people out there that we've lost Joe laptop battery yeah. uh, out out of out of power there, which happens in New, um, in New Zealand. They they switch all the power off at eleven p.m. and uh, <laughs> that's right. He, yeah. he had to get it in before yeah. they they shut down. Um, they all they all get on the pedals early and, and get the generator going again. But yeah, uh, yeah. in the meantime, it's, it's sleep. It's sleep winter. There. They, don't, they don't they don't have the fires of Mount Doom <laughs> powering the those supplies. Sorry, New Zealand. <laughs> when we started this podcast, it was kind of at the height of of Celtics hype since the yep. the Paul Pierce Big Three era, and mm-hmm. it's been so so fun to follow this team. And like the last few months or so, like. It, our future has not been clear. There was that brief moment where we got Kyrie and we had, you know, the the five-leaf clover or whatever you want to call it and all this hope and all these draft picks and this, like, uh, invulnerable future. And now, like, very, very quickly, things have, have turned around a little bit. And um, wh- where are you with that? Like, how what, what is your coping mechanism for sort of the, the current state of the Celtics? Yeah, I, I think because we're so close to them and we had so much... Um hype and so much expectation around the team then obviously seeing them in the state that they are and like all this like free agency uncertainty it, it sucks and it feels like we're kind of doing it tough for the first time you know since we're in the, the the midst of that of that rebuild but i mean to be perfectly honest like i still think this team is more than capable of of, of winning the east you know even as it's currently constructed i think i think that things are going to change there's going to be new personnel coming in some players that we have now that we like are going to go um and it's going to be a, a different team more or less but i i don't think i don't think it i don't think it's the end of the world at all it's not like we're about to blow it up and go back to sucking for like three or four years because there's some guy coming in in the draft in like two years time who's going to be great in like five years maybe you know we're not in that position yet we're still very much you know not quite the pointy end of the eastern conference but we're definitely in that in those discussions you know who knows what brown or tatum will turn into if we keep them who knows what a team with Kyrie and anthony davis would look like 
if we get them. Who knows what a team with just Anthony Davis and like Al Horford and Gordon Hayward would look like, which could end up being the case. So I think we're still, we've still got a lot of options. We've still got a lot of ways we can go in. And I definitely think um, this team, as it's currently constructed, has better days ahead of them if they choose to go ahead with it. So I'm not worried at all. My coping mechanism is next season's a new season. <laughs> The, the 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 off season the free agency is going to be one hell of a wild ride and i really i can't see a scenario where come the first day of the season of the new season i'm going to be looking at this team going oh shit you know we're in a world of trouble i just don't see it i think i think whoever whatever team we put out there is going to be constructed to at least have a, a red hot crack at least that season beyond that who knows that's where all I'm right at. Yeah, no, I, I love the takes. You you had Kyrie tipped to re-sign with the Celtics. You've got the team maybe tipped to potentially win the East next year. Like those are those are hot takes, I feel like, at this point. I can't um, but... I just can't see us being shit. I just can't see us being proper shit. Like if you called this season shit, maybe we'd be about the same if you completely just ran it back again. But that's not gonna happen, is it? So um, you know, I I think I think I think there's re- I think there's a good reason to be positive rather than negative. Now that we're like yeah. past that season, now that that season's past, you know what I mean? <sighs> yeah, that season. I mean, yeah, at, at the very least, uh, we can be we can be sure that the next season won't be as disappointing uh, as the prior season, and expectations will be tempered accordingly. It'll be interesting yeah. to see what the expectations are going in, regardless of what team we have, because I think that'll have a big that'll have a bearing on the sub at least and how people behave yeah. around there, to say the least. So. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. I think I needed to hear that a little bit. A little positivity wrapped oh, around welcome, uh, with welcome, a, a, Celtics, a Celtics bow tied around it. Um, <laughs> My all right. That's, that's going to do it for this episode of the Celtics Reddit podcast. The draft is in nine days. Nine days. Shit is going to happen. Spicy yeah. trades, surprise picks, and, and all of that. It's going to be great. And we're going to be back around then to discuss it all. And uh, look, in the meantime, why not go and follow us on Twitter? at Celtics Redipod. We'll be tweeting our way through the rest of the finals in the offseason. And uh, you'll get some tweets from me live um, in Melbourne during the Team USA games as well. So uh, give us a follow. Jackson, uh, enjoy what's left of the NBA postseason. Thanks again for coming on. Love your work, mate. I will too. And likewise to you, man. Thank you for uh, putting this together, even in the barren uh, spells of, of the Celtics offseason. It's, uh, yeah. it's encouraging that you're still, you're still keen to, to, to run it through. So uh, Yeah, yeah likewise, man. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Strange, strange times. And shout out to Joe as well, who we said uh, dropped off uh, a little earlier due to those scheduled blackouts in, in New Zealand. I loved his, uh, I loved his Kevin Durant. <laughs> his Kevin oh, Durant. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> All right, guys. Go Celtics. Peace. Yeah.